Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Nation podcast. This is the first post-game edition of the 2020 season. Amen. Mark, Mark and Taylor are out again, so we're running back the same crew. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is Scott Reynolds. Hello, Matt. And also joined with us is John Ledyard. How are you doing, John? Good. Great to be with you guys for the first post-game show that I've been on. Yes, we're happy to have you. And guess what, John? You're going to be on about 15 more. So hopefully more than that. Hopefully, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. 17, you know? <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It was a, man, so much to take away from this game. Yeah. How, we gonna, how we fit in a 35, 40-minute podcast is going to be a trick. You know, Matt, John, let's just dive right into the let, offense. Let's just go right? straight into it, you know? Let's, so let's here, here's my opening. Here's my opening salvo. Come on, Tom. Come on. You know, That's who like, you're putting it on. That's who I'm putting. Yeah, he wow. put it on himself. Bruce Arians said that those two turnovers, those two interceptions were on Tom Brady, and that's a fact. So listen, if we're going to give it to Jameis Winston for his 30 interceptions last year and, and seven pick sixes, we're going to give it to Tom Brady. I don't care if he's the GOAT, if he's the greatest of all time. He had two bad plays that ended up costing the Buccaneers, and it wasn't just all on Tom. But listen, when you're trying to dethrone the NFC South champions three times, I've actually shorted the Saints. I thought that was just back-to-back, but no, it's three in a row, three years in a row, the NFC South division champions. you got to win the turnover margin. And when, when this team, the Buccaneers, continue to beat themselves, and they do that with penalties and turnovers, and the Bucs led the league in both categories last year, and you would think that adding Tom Brady and veterans like Rob Gronkowski and LaShawn McCoy – would help this young team grow up and stop beating itself. But you know what? It wasn't just the young guys. It was the old guy, Tom Brady. He did a lot of good things, right? That first drive was great. I love seeing the quarterback sneak. For whatever reason, Dirk Cutter and uh, Bruce Arians did not call those quarterback sneaks for Jameis Winston, who was 6'4 himself and, and I think could have picked up some yards. Jameis was fleet of foot. But Tom Brady's taken full advantage of some of those quarterback sneaks, scored his first touchdown through two touchdown passes. But that was offset by the pick six by Janoris Jenkins, which happened in the third quarter. And then, and you know what? I gave him a pass because in training camp, we didn't see a lot of miscommunication on option routes between Tom Brady and those receivers. But boom, it reared its ugly head in week one. Mike Evans, Tom Brady, not, not reading the, the coverage the same and after the game, Bruce Arian said that it was actually the fault of Tom Brady. Mike had read the coverage right, and it was a bad throw, and Brady admitted to that. So, come on, Tom. you got to play better than that. I thought – see, here's what I think about that play. That play was interesting to me because I went back and watched it after Bruce said that because live, I definitely thought it was Evan's fault, and Aikman thought it was too. Evan's fault. And I watched it again, and again, I don't know how it's Brady's fault. I mean, the middle of the field's open. It's too high, and Mike Evans – should bend that skinny post in the middle of the field, and he doesn't, and he stops and he sits down, the linebacker's right there. And, and Arian said something else that kind of got lost because I don't think people really knew what he meant, but he said Evan should have bent it across his face. Well, if Evan should have bent it across the linebacker's face, then, why, then, then he shouldn't have sat down, which means he didn't read it correctly. So I was yeah. very confused by the, the phrasing from Arians on that and more confused when I watched it. I reached out some film people, I hope on the podcast yeah. later in the week, to – get a clear explanation for everyone is exactly what went wrong. To me, I think is way more of a miscommunication, which 
um, um, yeah, it happens. It's fine. The other yeah. interception, I completely agree with you. Bad throw. It was, was, it was a terrible throw, and it was a terrible decision. It, was, yeah. it just wasn't even open. Right. There was nothing there at all. And, and the Jameis know, Winston haters are going to hate me for saying this, but that, that was a Jameis Winston. I, Scott, I was just about to say this. I was going to say I, yeah. I'm done with bringing up like any comparison to Jameis, Jameis yeah. versus Brady, Brady versus Cam Newton, stuff like that. They're all on different teams, all right? Like, let's yeah. move on. But that pick six, the first thing that popped into my head was, wow, that was a Jameis Winston-type interception. And, and yeah. Brady made those mistakes, and he was very critical of himself after mm-hmm. that game. But one of my takeaways from the offensive side of the ball, if we're sticking with that subject, is yeah. this offensive line, or at least Donovan Smith blocking at left tackle, I mean, that was a major concern going into the season was could they – pass block for Tom Brady and yeah. week one they did not pass the test it was and they well, can't four out of five did right either. four out of f- four out of five did fine right they're like, only I mean, as strong as your weakest link right. though I'm not saying right, he's right. Really their their weakest link yeah well, I don't want to yeah I don't want to bury Tristan on the team. with it but yeah. yeah but I mean you're right Donovan Smith's supposed to be the stud I mean and, and yeah. it wasn't like he was even going against Cam Jordan we could excuse some things if it put was it Cam this way Jordan. Tristan Wirfs is a rookie in his first career start and he was the best offensive tackle for 100%. the Bucks offensive line and 100%. on top of that we're going to go to the defense later but Antoine Winfield Jr. as a rookie was the best yeah. safety that the Bucks mm-hmm. had on on Sunday yeah, which is a, I agree. Which is a great sign for the future. Yeah, it's yeah. it's awesome. So, for the future. so, John, I mean, try to hide your excitement for Tristan Wirfs now. Temper your enthusiasm <laughs> a little bit now, right? No, mm-hmm. no. Oh, well, I mean, he played. He played exceptional. Yeah. yeah oh, he, he played exceptional. I mean, yeah. you, you've ever you know he got beat on the one play, and that's when people notice a tackle. But how sure. many past obvious situations where Cam Jordan was teeing off, and I was watching full drives just looking at Wirfs. And he was exceptional. I mean, he had drive with the bull rush. He pushed Jordan up the arc a bunch of times. He stopped inside counter moves, and he was on an island for a lot of that. I mean, early in the game, they were helping him. but With no preseason games. The first time he had gone up against anybody other than Anthony Nelson, Mm -hmm. Will Golston, Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett was on Sunday in New Orleans, right? Against a a guy that had 15 and a half sacks last year, a five-time Pro Bowler. Right. I mean, it was an exceptional performance by him. I thought, well, I think we're going to look at the tape. I don't know about the run game yet. There's a lot of factors there. I always need to look at the all 22 to figure out consistently what goes on with the run game. But I think in pass protection, you're going to see Ali Marpet dominated on the, on the, on the corner route to Chris Godwin the, on the first drive, the 29 mm-hmm. yarder, that was the key play on, on the yeah. touchdown drive to start the game. Mm-hmm. Ali Marpet, they go play action. Ali Marpet pulls yes. as a false run that. key to kind of get the linebackers to step mm-hmm. up and, Get people to read run. Stoned his guy. And and Cam Jordan is rushing off the edge unblocked. And yeah. Ali Marpet picks him up in space and holds him for several seconds. I mean, an elite tier block for against an elite player. And that is a hard I mean, you normally you're trying to get that ball out right away yeah. so that guard isn't on an island very long. Yeah. And I mean, he just hung on there like he just completely locked up Jordan. So it's funny that Jordan was talking a lot. I I didn't think he had a great game. Um and it wasn't just no, the worst but he got the W. Right, that's, he did get the W. That gives yeah, you exactly the right, right. To talk. ultimate argument arguing point. That's right. <laughs> it is, yeah. And he took some shots at Bucks fans too, Matt. Get, right. right. Yep. Can we also go he back did. to Brady though quickly though, and just say that I, the the narrative around Brady is so completely off from coming into the game. Like, and this game was evidence of that. I think you guys remember what I said when I went back and looked at his 2019 tape. It was a while ago, so I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. what I said, but when they first signed Brady and went back and looked at his 2019 tape, I said his arm strength, non-issue. We saw that consistently. I mean, 
arm right. strength, not a kid. I mean, he threw the ball down the field unbelievably yeah. well. The defensive pass interference penalties, the throw to corner out to Godwin for 29 mm-hmm. yards, the deep ball to Miller. He threw it deep a ton, yeah. and he threw it deep on the money almost yeah. every single time. I'm going to write about that this week. Arm strength, deep ball, not a concern at all. Aggressiveness to go down the field, not a concern at all. Hardly ever checked it down to running backs. He was aggressive all the way, all the way throughout the game. So the narrative on him out the window there, I thought. And then the, the thing that I said to you guys when I watched this 2019 tape is I think he made more bad decisions than I've ever seen Tom Brady make. And I didn't expect that to continue because he's Tom Brady. And I thought he was frustrated, thought he was pissed at the like, delayed in the season. I did not think that they had anything going on. And I thought he was pressing a yeah. little bit because of that. And I don't, I think he was mostly good, really good. Uh, not mm-hmm. great, but really good on, on Sunday. I honestly, that's my honest opinion. I, I'm go back and look at the tape. But when there was bad things, I thought that he pressed a little bit. The interception was one of those situations. Yeah. There were a couple other throws I thought he pressed a little bit. And it was decisions with Tom Brady more than anything that were yeah. the concern, which, and, and again, that's why I, I think said, the come on, Tom. That's why I said that because, <laughs> right. because you, you've been there and done this for 20 years now, right? And you know better. And, and listen, I understand this was a big game, right? And this is Tom's first opportunity in, I was going to say red and pewter, but they're all white. But they, you know, wearing a, a different like helmet. every game this season. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Listen, I know. Yeah, why not the, even it out? Even the crisp, out. all white. I think I'm the look. only one that likes no. it. <laughs> listen, you know, listen, that's fine. If the Buccaneers want to change their colors to red and white or pewter and white, fine. But their colors are red and pewter. White is, is an accent color, and they're making it one of their prominent colors. Listen, if you're the Colts, right? You're blue and white. You can wear all white. I get it. But, um, that's a good point. I, I, I just want to see some pewter pants in there. That's all. I just like that look. Anyways, but you make some valid points regarding Tom. Um, I, I get to circle back around to Donovan Smith because Donovan Smith, to be fair, on the first sack, he and Scotty Miller were, were trying to double team Trey That Hendricks. play was a cluster. Oh, my It words. was. <laughs> and and uh, Scotty Miller bumped into Donovan Smith a little bit and, and, and helped helped. Hendrickson get around Smith, right? So that right. You, you can kind of say that's half a sack on Smith, half a sack on Miller. But then Carl Granderson coming around and getting the sack fumble on on Brady is another one. And, and then I mean it, Carl Granderson is I know. <laughs> he's yeah. like the fifth rusher on the team. Yeah. And and, and then you've got in the run game, right? It's if you consider and hang your hat on something, okay, maybe it wasn't Donovan's day as as a pass protector, at least he could run block. No, I mean Cam Jordan blew him up and tackled Leonard Fournette for a loss. Mm. And listen, I, I know Cam Jordan's a hell of a player, 285 pounds, Donovan Smith around 330. You got 35 pounds of size on the guy. And maybe maybe it's too much to ask for Donovan Smith to, to move, you know, Cam right. Jordan off the ball, right? right? But at least create a stalemate. At least if you're 35 pounds heavier and you're a man mm-hmm. and you're, you know, you're regarded as one of the top 15 offensive tackles in the league, at least that's what the Bucks think, then at least create a stalemate. At least stone the guy at the line of scrimmage. Don't get the tackle for loss to get your offense behind the chains. And it, that just happened too much in the run game. It wasn't all Smith, but this run game, and I thought Byron Leftwich did a poor job of, of sticking with the run longer than he needed to because at some point in time, you just realized, all right, first down is going to be a run. You know, it's second and nine, second and eight. I think they should have passed the ball to set up the run because mm-hmm. after two quarters, it was pretty apparent that, that their Bucks run game wasn't going to go anywhere. And it wasn't really until later that Rojo had that 21-yarder that, 
mm-hmm. that uh, helped his average. But I just was not impressed with the Bucks run game. And they, they put a lot of time and attention on that in training camp. And I thought the addition of Rob Gronkowski was going to help more in the perimeter, and it didn't. Yeah, Coach Aaron spoke a lot this offseason about they're going to stay committed to the run game. And they stayed committed to the run game. Right. I would have liked them to alter it just a little bit and do what you said, Scott, pass first and set up the run. I don't necessarily hate that they stop committing to the run, though, because they can't become one-dimensional. They, you have to keep the defense at least guessing a little bit. They, they can't rely on Brady dropping back and throwing it 50 times because when he had to start passing it at the end of the game, that's when he was really getting clobbered out there. Yeah. And even with all the mis- miscues and mental errors that the Bucks had – at one point, it was a one-possession game in the second half. So they yeah. in the fourth quarter, plan. beginning of the fourth quarter, it was at a one the beginning possession. of the fourth you know? quarter. So they, while the running game was not great, and obviously they need to improve in that aspect, it was still a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. So let's not panic and just go off the beaten path because something wasn't successful one time. I, no, I didn't. I'm, I'm not saying. I'm not saying abandon game. it for the rest of the season. I mean, they can try to run against yeah. the Panthers on Sunday, but I'm just saying. It just didn't – I didn't see any chinks in the armor up front for the New Orleans Saints front seven. And, yeah. and the Saints, again, showed why they are three-time NFC South defending champions, back-to-back 13-3 and three seasons because they're a complete football team. And in order mm-hmm. for you to go in there or even host the Saints and beat them, you got to win the turnover margin. And for this this defense – and let's, let's shift gears now and talk about the defense a little bit um, – you know, no takeaways, one sack. You need more splash plays if you're going to beat this this New Orleans team. And and speaking of splash plays, right, um, I took a bath on my my bookie picks <laughs> this week. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I'm not going to even tell you the games that I lost, but I took a bath. So, but you know what? Uh, I'm not a quitter. Um, I might be a loser this week, but I'm not a quitter. So like the Buccaneers, I'm going to try to bounce back in week two with some of my picks. But listen, I'm sure that some of you guys out there in Pewter Nation are smarter than I am when it comes to, to picking games and picking winners. Winning season has returned at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane prop bets, epic bonuses, the craziest cross-sport wagers you'll find. At my bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice, the NFL's returned. And that means action-packed Sundays, huge cash prizes. Get in on all the action. Use promo code Pewter and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games that you're going to bet on. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. That's my bookie. Use promo code Pewter and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. So the Bucks. The Bucks' winning season maybe will start in week two, but I think part of the reason why they lost this game was, was on the defensive side of the ball, not getting to breeze enough. And it, it really took Todd Bowles until the second half to realize that Shaq Barrett, JPP, the guys up front weren't going to beat the Saints' offensive mm-hmm. line and, and really get adequate pressure with four. He had to really start bringing some blitzes. We saw finally the Bucks' lone sack, Jason Pierre-Paul, but it was kind of too little too late. And there was also yeah. a big-time gaffe in the secondary, right, John? Yeah, two huge mistakes throughout the game, really, one, one, uh, in the second half, really, outside of the offense kind of being the, – the pick six by Brady we talked about a little bit, but the offense was kind of finding their way a little bit in the second half, and then 
I thought two plays gave the Saints 10 unanswered points and changed the way that the whole game was. Uh, and one of them was Jamel Dean. Yeah, it looked like the Bucks were in quarters coverage, I thought, from the broadcast angle that I could see. And he has kind of that outside fourth of the field. And Jared Cook's lined up across from him, and Jared Cook just runs a nine route, just runs a straight line right at him. There's nobody else entering the zone. There's nobody even in the flat in front of him. I don't know what – I mean, there's – it's Dean as simple assignment-wise as it can get. I, mean, I don't just know. Just Breeze pumped to n- to nobody, I think, or, or or to the middle of the – I don't know what he thought Breeze was looking at. I, he just stopped moving and then let Cook run behind him. And I, I don't – I really don't know. It wasn't even an extended broken play where he, like, right. lost his guy. It was I, – I honestly have no idea. I think you go a whole season and not see a coverage bust like that one. So – that's what I say when I go back to this game. I think I see so many little things that, like, man, it doesn't. I don't know. Bucks beating Bucks has been a theme, and I get that for sure. And it's a culture thing; it has to change. But physic on paper, like logically, there is not a lot of things in this game that were like this game could have easily been won by the Bucks. And like I said, that and then the Mike Edwards thing on the on the kickoff return, the fumble, that was yeah. ten points right there for the Saints. I mean, they don't get that second down, and it's third and ten from their own thirty nine yard line. And they're getting the ball, probably giving the ball back to the box uh, with how rough they were, had been on third down. And so, I, yeah, I just, I don't know what in the world Jamel Dean was thinking there. It didn't sound like Arians knew either late in the <laughs> yeah. game. And that was a huge play that really, really hurt them because then the Saints go on and score five plays later. And then they never got it back from 31 17. Matt, real quick, and, and I want you to comment on this because I think we saw why Antoine Winfield got the start over Mike Evans. I'm sorry, over Mike Edwards, right? Right. I think we saw why, right? Yeah, it's he's up here. He's way more mature than a rookie. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he and, just, and he was, I think he's a smarter football player, right? Oh, I mean, that yeah. Was a dumb I mean, play in special teams. not going to backpedal and try to catch a ball that's going out of bounds on a kickoff. You're right. right. And, and John, you, you just put up an article this morning, and we're taping this Monday morning early here, and uh, you put up an article on pewterreport.com, the week one snap count analysis, Bucks the Saints. And that's interesting because it really kind of tells us some stories mm-hmm. that, are, that are kind of underlying and maybe not top of mind. But one of those is the fact that Sean Murphy Bunting, who I thought had a sensational game in that's run great. support in the slot and also in coverage, played 100% of the snaps, mm-hmm. 68 snaps. And so did Carlton Davis, who did a fantastic job on Michael Thomas. What was the name of our podcast last week? Yeah, right. Stop Michael Thomas. And they stopped Innovated, Michael Thomas. Yeah. They did. <laughs> Carlton Davis catches. was exceptional. I mean, we, was we I feel like it got lost in Lattimore beat besting Evans and that yeah. matchup. But Carlton Davis was was awesome. On And Sean Murphy Bunting was terrific. Yeah. I think Pro Football Focus said both of those guys gave up less than 20 yards to the yeah. Saints yes. in coverage. Three catches, uh, 17 yards for Michael Thomas, right? But wow. – but here's the hidden thing. Jamel Dean only had 35% of the snaps. So there's a reason why Sean Murphy Bunting, Carlton <laughs> Davis are on the field 100% of the time, right? And Jamel Dean's the guy coming in and nickel off the bench. And when I say nickel, that'll mean the slot. Sean Murphy Bunting, very much like Rondé Barber. When you're in base, mm-hmm. it was Rondé Barber and Brian Kelly. And then when you brought in uh, your nickel defense, Barber moves from the outside cornerback position inside the slot back in the day change the podcast title reynolds compares smb to ronde barber (laughs) not yet he's going to need a couple more interceptions before he becomes a legend but my point is 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 we're seeing why jamel dean's the third corner right yeah a a bust like that and i just think sean murphy bunting carlton davis the job that they did in playing 100 percent of the snaps uh 
and John, you said it right. They gave up around 20 yards or so. Yeah, well, I think Jamel less, Dean less than 20 up, yards for both of them. Yeah, Jamel Dean gave up 46 yards in one play because he yeah. fell asleep in coverage, and right, um, and you can't have that. I think you're seeing a secondary that. Uh, to me, that's one of the biggest takeaways from the game, how good the secondary played. I know Jordan Whitehead, he, he's going to be a little bit of a liability. How much of a liability is something we've got to monitor as the season goes on. But Winfield, Davis, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, I, I think Jamel Dean, it was a mistake for sure. The bigger sample size with him, although it's still a small sample size, says he's still a really promising player that I'm excited yes. about. I think some of the processing stuff in zone has to get better, but I, I think the arrow's up for them. And, I mean, what, we cannot say enough on this podcast about how unbelievably dominant Levante David and Devin White were. I oh mean, gosh. they were unblockable on the run game. They were all over the field. They made so many plays out of the they both let I mean, the, they look like they, Yeah, they both led the team with 11 tackles. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, see, you totally understand why Devin White was voted as a team captain in just his second year in the NFL. He's, he's mm-hmm. a natural-born leader out there. And I love, too... And you see it a lot with Sean Murphy bunting as well, where they make a play and they get right up and they start flexing and they start getting mm-hmm. loud. Like This is a defense that plays better when they're getting loud and, and when they're getting confident out there. Devin White had an unreal tackle on Alvin Kamara, where they, mm-hmm. the Saints did the typical. They passed the ball to him on the side yeah. behind the line, line of scrimmage. And he had a running start, and it looked like that he was going to take the ball downfield for a big gain. And Devin White tossed him. Absolutely. Yeah. Just Outside his frame. Made a, frame, just, made a yeah. tremendous open field tackle. And Levante David does what he always does and just plays a great game that maybe not everyone notices, but everyone's starting to notice now because they're on national television. He led the team with uh, tackles for a loss and just had another great Levante David type day. Well said, Matt. And the thing, too, is this. Alvin Kamara, right? I mean, you saw him score two touchdowns, and I was I was so elated to see Levante, who who really, admittedly, probably took not the best angle on that um, last fourth and yeah. goal play, but it was enough to get Alvin Kamara to step out literally half an inch before the ball crossed the plane, denying Alvin Kamara his third touchdown of the game. But really, you look at Kamara, sixteen yards on twelve carries. That's one point three average for their Pro Bowl superstar who just got paid. His longest run of the day was the six yard touchdown he had. And um, then you yeah. look at his at his day receiving. Okay, five catches, 51 yards, but 38 of those were on a blown coverage where Shaq Barrett was supposed to be uh, yeah. trailing you know, him, recovering him. It was him. kind of a situational – nobody thought the Saints were throwing at the you – know, Yeah, it was a double they pass. They should have been more too. aware, but yeah. Yeah, right, it was a double right, pass. Right. Taysom Hill had, had that. But really, to your point, John, and, and Matt, listen, for you and I, we've seen a lot more Buccaneer football than John has, and yeah. we've seen mm-hmm. Drew Brees have 300-yard days aplenty Just against the, the Buccaneers. Buccaneers. Yes. Right. But to hold Brees to 160 yards and two touchdowns, and again, no interceptions, only one sack, but but that's a pretty good job of coverage by this Buccaneer back seven. And Taysom Hill on his lone pass play, the 38-yarder, which was a bit of a gimmick gadget play, it worked. But you hold the Saints to 198 yards passing and, and under 100 yards rushing in 82. Under 300 total yards, too, I think. Yeah, yeah. So – I'd like to see more more pressure on Breeze. I'd like to see certainly more takeaways on the defense. And then then you put yourself in position to win rather than just hanging with the Saints, which is really what they did after the Saints started to go on their run in the second quarter. Yeah, other than Jordan Whitehead a little bit and penalties, I really think the only concern I have from this game defensively is, is pass rush a little bit. Um, and not yeah. a lot, but I didn't think the Saints – like 
got the ball out like in one second every single play. Like there were yeah. some plays where that didn't happen. And and especially I know Scott, you wrote about this some too, but the interior pass rush. You know, I thought the whole run defense was great. I thought everybody I mean I, I'm gonna look at the tape, but Will yeah. Golston was a monster. I mean oh my I gosh. thought the the run game and, was and great. John. John, in your story this morning, right, the snap count story, Will Golston had 34 snaps in that game. You talk about one of the most impactful players, seven tackles, including two for loss in just 34 snaps. Mm -hmm. He's not going to get doubled as much as the guys inside, but I still think that pass rush, where does it – like inside, it wasn't – I know know the Saints are the best tackle tandem in the league, and it takes a little bit more time to get home from the edge anyway. Mm -hmm. I do think Shaq Barrett – I'm going to look at the tape again, but I think he deserves uh, like some criticism for not being able to win. Mean, I, I don't agree. think he won one-on-one all game that I saw. Well, I'll check the tape, like I said, but I think he needs to be better. I think Pierre Paul needs to be better, and I definitely mm-hmm. think the guys inside need to be better on passing downs. All right, so here's a little insight. Guess who called me during the game yesterday? Really upset. Hmm. Oh, Maybe I know already. That has a big <laughs> issue with the interior defensive line that you may have yes. interviewed recently. Yes, QB Killer calls me up and was really pissed, especially after Vitavea, who he calls the hand model. <laughs> he calls him the hand model because he broke his hand. And he's right, like, well, yeah. what are you doing breaking your hand? Like, you know, you're, you're, were you like a hand model or something? So anyways, he, he, Sap is not a fan of Vitavea or Indomica Sue for that matter. And, and not even a fan of Gerald McCoy at this point. But, but um, and listen, I understand that Sap played a different position in a different scheme at a different time, right? But the Bucks' defensive tackles, the interior guys, Sue at the three technique and Vitave at the nose tackle position, they're not designed to get double-digit sacks in Todd Bowles' defense, right? I, I get that. At the same time, you're paying Indomitian Sue $8 million this season, and you're, pay, you're paying Vitavea first-round draft pick money. He was the 12th overall pick in, in 2018. And I got to see more from them then a combined two assisted tackles and two uh, you know, offside calls. Neutral zone infractions is really what they were. But you saw Vita Vea, who's the nose tackle. And listen, I coached defensive line in Pop Warner, so I know an awful lot about nose tackles jumping offsides. I had to teach that to my 5, 6, 7, yeah. 8, 9, 10, 11-year-olds. Like, you're the nose guard. You're the nose tackle. The football is literally right in front of you. Don't listen to the snap count. Watch the ball. And so for Vita Vea, and you know that those guys, and even Bruce Arian said it, they're all saying, you know, like, don't jump, don't jump. And, and the Saints, I believe, are at the Tampa Bay 47, probably weren't going to go for it anyways, probably were going to punt the ball, but trying to get the Bucks to jump off sides, and Vita Vea was the willing accomplice. You can't. As the nose tackle in a 3-4, you're literally over the ball. You can't have a Pop Warner mistake like Vita Vea did and I just got to see more from them listen Buccaneers.com is going to be praising look at those number one rushing defense again okay whatever whatever but did they win the game no and and that's a great statistic but for those two guys making what they make in Vita Vea's draft status and and we've kind of been listening to the front office, listening to the coaching staff, right, and reporting, oh, Vita Vea's going to have a breakout year. I didn't see it in week one. I saw Vita Vea get bullied a little bit by Eric McCoy, to be honest with you. I didn't mm-hmm. see him hold up at the point of attack nearly as well as I wanted. I didn't see him win those one-on-ones inside and push the center back into Drew Brees' lap and create some sack opportunities outside for Shaq and, and uh, JPP. 
Yeah, the problem with, with everybody looks at Vea and thinks, oh, he'll just push offensive linemen back into the quarterback. But the problem with that process is that speed to power is the name of the game when you're doing that. And you have to have speed to create power. It's just science. And yeah. he just isn't very quick off the ball. I, I think Vea is a good player, but this is why I wrote this summer when I did his film breakdown. I said, I think he's a good player, and I think he's probably at his ceiling. I don't think you'll ever see him become what Kenny Clark is because he doesn't have the athleticism that Kenny Clark has. And that's who people kind of want him to be because nose tackles that can rush the passer, they're rare. And I think Vea is a good player. I don't think it's like he's a bad player. He's going to hurt the team or anything like that. Right. I just don't think he's a great player, and that's kind of what you want at the 12th overall pick. We saw it, sure. I mean, a couple of times. Taysom Hill was a quarterback, and Hill, I know, is a great athlete, but mm-hmm. they broke through and, and let him get away, and he couldn't bring him down in space. And again, he wasn't even close. It's not that he just like, oh, it's a defensive yeah. tackle in space. Like, he wasn't – like, it was easy for Taysom Hill to maneuver yeah. around him because he just can't change. And it was the same on the screen where right. Kamara scored. He ID'd the play early. Yeah. He, he understood couldn't it couldn't do anything about it. He couldn't do anything. Physically, he yeah. could not change directions and make any well, type of play. I've seen Cam Hayward make that play so many times over the years with the Steelers, and I think that's the difference. I, I agree. And, and what, what gets me, too, though, sometimes is, is Vea still has this issue of locking up on his guy. And listen, Bruce Arians has made it clear. This Todd Bowles 3-4 defense is not two-gap. It's not where like you're trying to hold the guard or hold the center and keep those guys off your linebackers. This is a one-gap penetrating style of defense, even though it's a 3-4 scheme. This is a Wade Phillips style 3-4. This is a Baltimore Ravens style 3-4. And defensive linemen are allowed to go after the quarterback. They are allowed to get sacks. And we just haven't seen that that production that you would expect from spending a 12th round pick on. And and yes, kudos, the Bucks can stop the run. Okay. But it doesn't matter if you're only getting one sack in the game because the object of stopping the run is to force teams to throw the ball and then apply pressure, get sacks, get sack fumbles, get interceptions, and we didn't see any of that in week one in New Orleans. The mental mistakes that they had with Vita Vea going off sides and Dominican Tu going off sides, you can't have that. You can't make those mistakes. However, accidents do happen sometimes, and it's out of your control. They're unforeseen. That's why when an accident happens, it's really important that you have insurance. Ain't that right, Scott? You're damn right, Matt. And the place to go is Briar Greaves. Briar Greaves has been a great sponsor of the Pewter Nation podcast and pewterreport.com, and they're family-owned for three generations. That's 30 years of serving the greater Tampa Bay area. It's an award-winning insurance agency. They've got the Trust Choice Award as a full-service agency. They sell personal and commercial insurance for your home, auto, boat, life, flood, and it's the one-stop shop for all of your insurance needs. And the great thing is you can call and you can speak with Briar Greaves himself or Sam for that personal touch. Give them a call at 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166. Or click on the Briar Greaves banner ad on pewterreport.com. And you know what, guys? Storm season's here. Mm-hmm. This is... This is still hurricane season, believe it or not, for the next month. And it's a great time to review your policies. A lot of homeowners, uh, insurance companies, they're canceling, they're non-renewing policies, and they're leaving Florida, or they're increasing premiums significantly. Now's the, the time to call Briar Greaves and just get that review. It's no charge. Are you paying too much for your homeowner's insurance? You might be. One phone call can save you hundreds of dollars. They've insured Bucks head coaches, players, they're longtime Bucks fans, and pewterreport.com readers, 
They love to talk football in addition to helping you get the insurance coverage you need. Call Briar Greaves at 813-876-4166. Make sure you give them a call and we appreciate anyone that supports our sponsors here on the Peter Nation podcast. I was just talking about mental mistakes and errors that the Bucks had. And you know what? They had them all over the board. They had them on offense, defense, and special teams. We talked about already the Mike Edwards muffed kickoff that was going out of bounds. Yeah. Bucks also had a blocked kick. And if you remember, the season opener a year ago, they had a punt blocked. Yeah. This year, the punt protection was fine, but then they get a field goal blocked. So mistakes all over Welcome the Welcome to Tampa, Ryan Suckup. <laughs> And that I wasn't even close either. Like, oh I mean, there gosh. was so much penetration yeah. on that kick. It wasn't yeah. even, it was easily yeah. blocked. I was, thinking, Alex, I was Alex like, Kappa. oh, it's a, it's a 54-yarder. We've talked about yeah. that suck-up is good from within 50. This is a, this is a real mm-hmm. tough one. And then we don't yeah. even get to see if, you know, if he would have made it or not. Yeah, at least he made his other kicks, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't blame yeah. that one on, on him. Uh, that was right. Alex Kappa. Uh, allowed penetration. And then Tristan Wirfs kind of got overwhelmed a little bit. And, and you know, th- that's one thing that, that that's where the preseason games really could have helped out is just eliminating that and, and just getting Kappa and Wurfs to understand, Hey, when these guys coming, when these guys are coming, they're coming like a Mack truck and mm-hmm. you've got to anchor and and hold your line for about two seconds to allow that ball to get back there and, and kicked. So a uh, disappointing start for Ryan suck up, but that wasn't his fault, but it was encouraging to see him nail the extra points, nail a field goal. And, uh, you know, and, and, and we'll see how we'll see how he fares next Sunday at Raymond James Stadium in that dreaded South End Zone that has cost many a, a Tampa Bay kicker their 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 careers their time in in, in a Buccaneer uniform has come to a, a quick end, including Matt Gay who missed his last three kicks uh, in the South End Zone against the Falcons in Week 17. So let's let's quickly look ahead to to next week. The good news for the Buccaneers I wrote about this in my two point conversion column is guess what. What does that that opening season loss to the Saints mean? Absolutely nothing, because there's 15 more games. I pointed out on WDA this morning, they're way back in 2002. I'm dating myself. But in 2002, John Gruden's first game as a head coach, the Bucks lost to the Saints in week one. And we talk about special teams, Matt. I don't know if you remember that game, but the Bucks had a, a punt blocked uh, in the end zone. It was scooped and scored for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. John Gruden looked at Keyshawn Johnson on, uh, as, as they were walking off the field. <laughs> Gruden was just bewildered. And he said, he said, wow, what an effing way to lose a football game, eh, Keyshawn? So and what happened at the end of that year? Well, 12-4, and four, division champions in a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that's going to happen this year. I'm sticking with my 10-6 and six prediction, and I predicted that week one loss in New Orleans for the Buccaneers. But I got him bouncing back against the Carolina Panthers. And I'm not sure what to make of the Panthers, guys. And we'll get into this a little bit more on Wednesday. But just your, your quick thoughts. I don't know if they're good. I don't know if the Las Vegas Raiders are good. But that was a close game, closer than I expected. And the good news for Tampa Bay is they're tied for second place right now with the Falcons, right. who, who took a big L at home against the Seahawks and the Panthers. So this is already a, a big game in week two. Bucks can't afford to go 0-2 in the division. They really need to right the ship, right, John? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't – I hate to say must-win games this early in the season, but I just think the outlook on the – like, to me, the outlook on the season doesn't change at all after the loss the other day, especially the way they lost. I mean, right. I just thought there were so many little things that 
you don't see happen all collectively at one time in a game very often. Maybe you do more as a Bucks fan. I'll give you that. But uh, I, I just think that there's so much fixable stuff. But if you lose to the Panthers, uh, that can't happen. Uh, I'm just like, this Panthers defense is not good at all. I mean, they are not good at all. James and, Bradbury's in New York, right? And so right. you're starting two rookies in Jeremy Chen at safety and Tony Pride at corner. Yeah. So. I mean, they were blown coverages yesterday yeah. against the Raiders. There's no pass rush right now. They didn't. I don't think they touched Derek Carr. Um, I mean, they're young everywhere across the board. It's a, tons of turnover. I think they have the. They're the team with the most turnover in terms of percentage of snaps returning from yeah. last season to this season. I mean, that offense shouldn't. They again, they don't throw the ball down the field early. And I know they had the long touchdown to Robbie Anderson, but that was on another blown coverage. Uh, double move and that they they hit the long and it was underthrown by hey let's save it for Wednesday buddy (laughs) so anyway I just think that there's a there's a there's so many holes in the the Panthers to me that I zero sacks from the Panthers too against Derek Carr I I, they have to they have to win that game and I I mean I really think they should be dominant in it there's a long way to go for this Bucks team it's a marathon it's not a sprint they're not going to look like the same team in a month from now that they looked like yesterday on Sunday. Another stat that'll make you feel better, even though the Bucs lost, uh, Tom Brady is 14-4 and four now in the season openers. The other three games that he lost, he went to the Super Bowl that year. So that's there a stat. There you go, man. Love that silver that, line. Uh, that you can be happy about. And uh, I think the offense is going to look just a little bit better in week two than they did in week one based on the Panthers' defense kind of getting run all over. So I'm still, I'm still confident in the Bucs, and you should eat too. I want to see Donovan Smith have a rebound game. I want to see Jamel Dean have a rebound game. And I want to see Tom Brady have a rebound game. And you know what? I think I think we're going to see that from Tom. I think this offense is going to take off and go over 350 yards, maybe 400 yards, and really take advantage of that. And, and, and what gives me a lot of hope is that Mike Evans went wire to wire in that game, played mm-hmm. uh, almost all of the snaps on offense, which I was shocked at. But apparently the hamstring's feeling pretty good for him to be able to get that many snaps. And uh, I, I, I'm encouraged by, by Ed John, as you said, a lot of these mistakes are correctable. And listen, I, I, I don't want to make excuses, but the Saints are a damn good team, right? They're, they're really good. And, and the Buccaneers hung with them. And I think this team's going to get better. And I think it, it might be a different outcome when the Bucs host the Saints later this season. I agree. I think that the best is yet to come for the Bucs for sure. They have so much talent on this team, and I thought the flashes were evident. Now they just got to cut out the mistakes and put it all together consistently. Okay, there you have it. That's going to do it for this episode. Again, for the absent Mark and Taylor, for Scott, for John, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Pewter Nation podcast. Out. Out. Out.